Hi and welcome to another episode of Startup Stories, where I interview the best and brightest startup founders and experts so you can be ahead of the curve with your own startup venture. This episode brings us together with Michael Haas from Plant Jammer, a startup that helps you empty your fridge with the best plant-based recipes and also helps you stop food waste. Imagine the following situations. You're coming home after work, you open the fridge and you see some carrots, half an apple, soy sauce and mushrooms. Or you found a nice and cheap cauliflower in the supermarket but don't know what to do with it. Or your food is too salty and you don't know how to fix it. These are just some of the situations that have made me give up and order takeout. But it doesn't have to be that way. Plant Jammer offers a variety of great features like food pairing, the gastro wheel and the balancer that target the problems I just mentioned before. The team has a free mobile app with over 30,000 active users and 3 million recipes. And for those of you with higher goals, the app lets you upgrade to Prime, which will get you nutritional target setting and tracking, as well as additional meal planning features. Having Michael on the show was a delight, and I learned a lot from our conversation, which is why I'm super excited to share this episode with you today. Enjoy! And here we are. Michael, thank you so much for taking the time and joining me on this podcast. No problem, Daniel. Can we first start out maybe by you telling me a bit more about yourself and also about the startup story we're going to talk about? I'm super excited. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, so I'm uh, Michael, Michael Haas. Uh, I'm uh, from Copenhagen, Denmark, and uh, I started uh, Plant Jammer. Uh, about two years ago, um, I have a past that's uh, quite corporate. So I used to work for McKinsey uh, as a McKin as a management consultant, uh, and also spent a little bit of time in an investment bank, uh, Merrill Lynch in London. So uh, quite a different background for your average uh, entrepreneur. But I decided to get out of corporate life and into something that that I'm truly passionate about. Right, which is Plant Jammer. Indeed. Um, so you're solving. The question, and that's one of the reasons why I'm so excited, you're solving the question, what's for dinner tonight? So I have that question, obviously, a lot of most people have that question, but I'm, I fail to, to answer it. <laughs> I'm really bad. Um, so tell me a bit more uh, what Plant Jammer does. Yeah, so, so most people fail to uh, answer this extremely simple question they ask themselves every day, right? What's for mm -hmm. dinner? Uh, we come home from, let's say, work. Uh, you know, we had a long day, hadn't made enough decisions, and suddenly we're standing there, you know, in front of the, the fridge and have to figure out what to make. And uh, the problem when you stand there is that um, basically we found that existing technologies are horrific at, at helping you answer that question. So if you go to Google and you write, let's say, uh, bro bro broccoli salad, you're going to get one and a half million recipes thrown in your face. And it's a complete, yeah. complete jungle, right? Uh, you know, and you're going to find a lot of recipes that don't quite fit what you have, uh, don't quite fit your nutritional needs, don't quite fit what you normally like. Um, and that's because the whole concept of having a recipe database to search in is just not a very efficient way of finding something that suits you. Um, so, yeah, we decided to do something dramatically different, basically a, a journey that... Uh, that, uh, that starts with ingredients rather than recipes. And we mm. put the whole artificial intelligence with machine learning based on existing recipes to understand 
sort of what is good taste and which ingredients go well together and how. Uh, and then you basically build your own recipes based on what you have and what you feel like. Uh, that's much more modular than trying to ask some authority what recipes they have available. Right. So for for someone who doesn't know AI and art and and machine learning and and all these topics, it's simply said you put in what you have in your fridge mm. in the app, and then it it tells you okay, you could do that or you could do that. Yeah, so it's a, it's a journey where you, you, you type in what you have in your fridge. It mm -hmm. finds patterns in terms of what of those ingredients go well together. Then it also tells you, by the way, if you want to make this really delicious, you should add one of these 15 ingredients. And then yeah. you pick one of those and it says, okay, you can make it even better if you add these 10 ingredients, one of these 10 ingredients. And that way you're sort of gamifying your way to, to that final decision of what to make. Uh, and you end up with a recipe but a recipe based on exactly what you have and what you've chosen, not some random stuff that Google uh, put on top. Yeah, yeah, and it really is super simple. I, I, I tried it out, and I'm, I think I would be the perfect person to use that. Me too. Um, because I have things in my fridge, but I'm, I'm, it's like my creativity shuts down when I open my fridge. I'm like, oh, what do I do with tomatoes and, <laughs> and this other thing? That's, uh, that's kind of the, the, the beauty of this for me personally has been how it's opened up a world of creativity because I came from the perspective, let me let me just get this dinner over with so I can live my life, right? That's me. That's me. That's me right there. But once you start to sort of get into this and realize, because we created a whole language of food as well, which is something we call the gastro wheel. We work with, with chefs to understand why do things go well together. So there's... It's not just asking an engine, you're actually learning about cooking on the path. And so mm -hmm. you start getting these competences in, in the kitchen and you can start sort of, once you know the basics of good taste, you can start freestyling and creating your own stuff much more. So it's really cool to have this space in your life that used to be, let's get it over with. And suddenly it becomes actually an area of uh, self-expression and creativity. Yeah, totally. And it's so important to, for your health as well. So. Completely. I like yeah. to say that we, we spend so many hours during the day looking into screens and thinking conceptually. And cooking and eating is one of those areas of your day where you have a chance to actually, you know, get out of your brain and into your body. Uh, it's like exercise or meditation. It's so good for you. Uh, so it's, uh, it's, it's basically an, an opportunity wasted if you don't uh, do something about that, I believe. Yeah, yeah. So you have a, you have a, a full app on the, on the app stores. What was your initial idea? Yeah, so uh, because was it exactly that, or did you start at some somewhere different? And how did you test out, you know, that people have an interest in in that problem and your solution for it? So it's been a it's been a highly non-linear journey, as I think most startup journeys are, right? <laughs> uh, yeah. So, so it started off with a vision, basically saying, okay, I I I'm working with uh, sustainability. I realized that if we can once or twice a week uh, refrain from eating meat and eat more veggies, it could make a big difference. And I thought, okay, how can we get there? And the first idea I had was to say, okay, what if we, you know, use some of the good biology and chemistry out there to build an amazing plant-based uh, meat substitute? <laughs> and I looked hmm. into this work with universities to sort of realize well, how could that be done? Uh, and my conclusion became that actually... Um, we can do so much more interesting stuff and so much more uh, sort of habit creating stuff if we work with real food. Uh, so after like two months of walking around farms and uh, and with universities talking about this stuff, I realized, okay, let's make a difference. 
Uh, and then I talked to my girlfriend at the time who told me that she knew how to cook well by just knowing what goes well together, which ingredients, right? So mm. I thought, okay, we, we can probably make something like this as a digital product where you don't need to spend a hundred thousand hours learning how to figure out which things goes well together. Basically mm. bootstrap those learnings from existing recipes. Uh, and, and what I did first was to <laughs> buy a bunch of books on food pairing, take an Excel sheet, put a bunch of ingredients into that Excel sheet and see which things tended to be together and just sort of build a little database on my own. So now I knew that if I had broccoli, then probably you would want to have uh, balsamic vinegar, olive oil, pomegranate with that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, then I had that big Excel sheet and I found a programmer in uh, via the platform Upwork, uh, yeah. Keshav in Bangladesh. And for, <laughs> for 500 US dollars, he built a website that could dynamically help with like this very simple database on an Excel sheet, uh, dynamically build sort of a food pair for you. So you said broccoli and then we'll tell you balsamic vinegar. <laughs> and then, uh, so cool. then we had something out, right? And I put that out there and, uh, and tried it out with people. And that was sort of something you have a license to learn once you have something out there in the real world. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, 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 you know, you get feedback. Basically what happens is you get, once you put something out there, you start getting <laughs> slaps in the face, right? Because you start right. what does not work for people. I remember having this one dinner with some friends where I showed them this product that I uh, had spent quite a lot of hours and sweat and thoughts to get out of the, on the, on the road and, and they would just bash it. <laughs> I'd made sure to give them a lot of wine. So they were really honest. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good trick. Yeah. And they were, they were talking, first of all, their, 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 their first feedback was, you know, we need to have an actual recipe. You cannot just tell me that these things go well together. I need to know what to do. And uh, mm. that was the first input there. And then there were some other things of saying, okay, you tell me that this goes well together, but I don't know why. So uh, how am I to trust you? Right. Mm -hmm. uh, and like from these learnings, like it was a tough night. I almost shed a tear once the, all, everyone left the door, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but it also made me realize, okay, I need to, uh, you know, I knew what to do now. Right. And yeah. that's, uh, that's the beauty of getting somebody out really early. It's that you, uh, you get a license to learn. Uh, yeah, and that's what I would really recommend to always do: get something out there early. I think it's uh, the founder of LinkedIn, uh, one of the founders of LinkedIn, uh, Reid Hoffman. Yeah, it's a sentence that says, "If uh, if you're not embarrassed by your first product, <laughs> you launch too late." Yeah, totally. <laughs> I think it's totally true. That's a very famous one. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> yeah, it kind of. I mean, the feedback gives you the roadmap to what to do next. Exactly. Basically, and that's so useful. So, so you, yeah, how did you go, how did you get your first customers? Because so you, you had this web app or I don't know yeah. how you, how you called it. And then what was next? How, yeah. What were the next steps to get customers yeah. or users? Yeah. So, so first of all, the first purpose uh, of getting a product out is actually not really to get customers, right? Um, and the first purpose is to get, get, get knowledge. Right, mm -hmm. to get yes, learning. Yeah. people out there and uh, and and to to be able to uh, to to learn. So the mm -hmm. most important thing was actually not so much getting a lot of people into the web page at this point. That was the data point, of course. But most important was now I had something that I could go out and have cups of coffee with people, show and just see their impressions. Yeah. Um. So so that first round was just you know friends and. Uh, and family and fools <laughs> who, exactly. uh, who I could, uh, who could find, who wanted to spend half an hour for uh, and a cup of coffee, uh, just seeing my product, uh, you know, telling me 
exactly what they thought page by page when they saw it the first time. Um, that was sort of the most important thing about that one. So that was so that was basically just friends, right? So yeah. out organically on, on on Facebook and LinkedIn and, and Instagram and, and just ask people if they wanted to to help test uh, yeah. and then learn from that, right? Then we also started getting some of those people that we talked to. They started getting really excited about this, right? Because they one thing is the product they could see in front of them, which was honestly pretty crap. <laughs> but uh, the other thing was when they started talking to me, they realized the thoughts behind and what we were actually building. Mm -hmm. uh, and they started believing that we could build it because, you know, they looked me in the eye and they, they sort of believed in what I was saying. Mm -hmm. uh, so they got really, you know, uh, dedicated, which was cool, right? So suddenly you have this sort of group of people who are following your journey, uh, who are giving you feedback along the way, uh, and who are, you know, brutally honest when they see new stuff coming out. Yeah. And a lot of those very first coffee coffee dates sort of became, uh, are still are still users today, right? And and they're still mm -hmm. giving feedback whenever we come something, with something new out there. We we even made a little Facebook group out of it now called the Plan Jammer uh, Superheroes, which are some of our super, super, super users who we, uh, we turn, tend to uh, put our next and new features out in front of. Yeah. So it's all yeah. evolved into becoming this sort of uh, focus group for new development. Yeah. Cool. And so what was, at what point did you get your first uh, team member on board? Because you were, you were alone until then, right? Yeah, no, actually the story uh, was a bit interesting. So I, uh, this is also, I guess, classic startup story. So I started up, you know, uh, with two friends, uh, mm -hmm. Frederick and Frederick, they're still good friends. Uh, and uh, they, in the first journey of figuring out how we're going to do plant-based uh, meats and, uh, and then realizing to make an app and so on, they realized themselves that probably they did not, I mean, that this journey was just too hard. Like, I mean, a startup journey is pretty hard. And, you yeah. know, uh, they also wanted to, you know, soon become fathers and have a nice house. And it was just easier to have a corporate life. Uh, so they basically jumped off very early. Um, uh, and, uh, and, and, and by just realizing that startup life is, you know, it's pretty, uh, it's pretty rough sea sometimes. Uh, yeah. so they did that with those really good friends. And we meet once in a while and talk through the product. So they're, they're helping us a lot. Um, yeah. Then I got uh, another f another person in, on board who was a friend of a friend, uh, and sh and she was really really good with social media and sort of spreading things out. Also had a good eye for for design, and she joined for the first year or so as well. Um, but also realized along the way that probably you know it was also a bit too rusty with this. Because <laughs> the thing is, what you do in, in startups is you build something, you get a lot of no's. And then you get a few yeses, right? And it's, it's a, it has to be a mindset that you just listen to the yeses more than the noes if you're going to make it through, right? Yeah. Um, uh, someone, uh, someone said that, you know, you should actually appreciate the no because uh, perhaps uh, your uh, sort of competitive advantage is that you saw this first. And if people haven't yeah. seen it yet, they will say no because it's new and it's not what they thought. And, uh, and, and uh, for that reason, you will actually get a space to develop the product and make it unique before they even get it, right? Yeah. So basically, your runway. Anyway, so, I, so we had these, uh, had these uh, co-founders along the way that I, along the way, then also had to buy out as they decided not to be part of it. We had good contracts and made it fair for every, all, all parts, mm -hmm. good friends. Um, but I realized also as I was evolving the product uh, that I needed real tech people in-house because- yeah. If you're building a product where you're going to put stuff out, get feedback, 
uh, adjust, put new stuff out, and do that on a high frequency. You cannot have Keshav in Bangladesh. No matter how good, <laughs> too far away, right? <laughs> yeah, you have someone you can look into the eye, write on the whiteboard, uh, you know, uh, have heated discussions, you know, all this stuff. Yeah. Face to face is necessary. So I needed uh, some people around me, right? And, yeah. and, uh, and the first thing I needed was someone to understand the database behind and build a really good understanding of how can we find patterns and ingredients that go well together based on this whole idea of using what's called a neural network from, uh, from artificial intelligence to understand patterns of what goes well together. Yeah. So I basically put up a job ad for a, for a student job, uh, and I was extremely lucky to get uh, Jura, uh, who's now co-founder of Planjammer, in mm-hmm. uh, as the, one of the first guys to interview with. And I knew after like three minutes of conversation, wow, this guy is so much smarter than me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's a good sign. Indeed, uh, we we also just hit it off. I right? had a really good conversation, and uh, and that's obviously key because again, you're gonna have rough season. Ha- having someone you're just having a fun time building stuff with is important. Uh, yeah. So yeah, so I got him on. I got Anderson, who's also a, a co-founder now, who's a front-end developer, uh, and 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 who has a really keen eye for user experiences. Uh, and and that's been sort of they've been on throughout the journey. Uh, and now by now we are. Nine people, of which half are full-time, I mean, five are full-time, and four are students. Really smart people, all of them, uh, which is cool. Uh, it's really fun to build a culture around uh, building a product as we're doing. Yeah. Yeah, I can only imagine. I mean, I, I've been working in a semi-startup, semi-corporate setting yeah. before, so in a, in a corporate startup where we were also a team of seven. Mm. But... Uh, so I got a little bit of feeling about the culture thing, but there was always the, the corporate culture above it. <laughs> yeah. um, but uh, definitely an important topic. And yeah, I, I have one question that's related to n- not the beginning, but uh, your current status. I, I read online that you have thousands of active users. Yeah. Around 30,000, I read. Yeah, uh, we're, we're, we're currently at a, at a, yeah, just about 30,000. That's right. So first of all, congratulations, because that's an insane number. Thank you. Um, I mean, there's millions of apps being built every week and retention. Uh, so getting people to open the app every day or every week is really hard. Indeed. What What would you say is... You probably did a thousand things to get there, but what's one thing you would say was maybe more important than others? Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's I mean, we will work on retention for the rest of our lives, right? Because that is yeah. part. Like, how do you get to create a, enough of a habit that people see so much value in your product that they keep on coming back? We tried a billion things. You're absolutely right. I think um, the first one thing we tried for a long time, uh, and we we recently went away from. Uh, is to uh, to keep people that people people basically keep a uh, digital footprint of their fridge on plant demo so they know what they have and then mm-hmm. they can always cook with it and that way sort of you keep on investing in the product and sort of get that feedback loop that you get better products the more updated your pantry is mm-hmm. sounds really cool on paper right and it sounds just right but the fact of the matter is that no one wants to keep uh, the fact that they have tomatoes uh, you know up to date every day in no. an app, right? So, and that's something we just we, we kept on trying to get that to work, but it it it, uh, it did not work, and it did not uh, create retention. What we found that really works, however, 
is uh, is the whole uh, aspect of health. Uh, so when you talk about food, one thing that will make you want to cook more plant-based, one thing that will make you want to cook more real food um, and not just do takeaway is the health aspects of you being mm. in control of your life, in control of your, your diet and, and actually a little bit hacking your health every day by, by eating the right things. Uh, yeah. and, and, and the moment we moved into that, it really changed matters a lot. Like right now, uh, we're actually just launching today a new version of it where you are, um, you're, you're, uh, you're setting a health target. It can be, uh, you know, let's say uh, brain health or it can be sustained energy throughout the day or it could be weight loss or it could be muscle gain. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we have found out which ingredients really help you on that journey. We did a lot of research on this. And then we gamify it. So we make little apples uh, next to the ingredients that are good for you mm-hmm. uh, and your target. And then you're picking apples. And this is making, giving you the sort of uh, sustained feedback loop where you are, you know, every choice is actually doing something good for you. And we realized yeah. the earlier version of this that just retention rates really spiked. Uh, and I really have a great, great faith in this being key because it is really, it is really good for you to, uh, to be cooking yourself and having real food. And we just want to make that really clear. Yeah. Yeah, I can I can completely understand why that could work. Uh, I'm I mean this health hacking thing. Yeah. Uh, I'm I just bought a a ring that's that tracks my sleep. Huh? Uh, and I'm really I'm really looking every morning. How did I sleep? What can I do better to sleep? Cool. Uh, to sleep better, uh, to be more ready during the day, and so on. So, yeah. and food is such a big part. Of, of life so totally we also realized i mean from because what we do now when we develop things is that we uh first we build a user story about exactly what it's, it's going to feel like to have this feature mm-hmm. this is really important because then we get user-centric rather than just building a feature because it sounds cool <laughs> yeah. uh, and then the next thing we do is we write what's called a gratitude letter so we write up sort of okay if we build this feature what would a gratitude letter to the ceo sound like <laughs> long form that's cool you're really gratified about this uh, and then we get really detailed about this gratitude letter so we really know okay this is how it should feel to have this this feature in the app and once we've done that we start building uh, facebook and instagram ads based on that sort of feeling uh, and we start saying hey we're building this uh, please participate if you really please want to be a beta tester let us know and then we have uh, phone calls with people we meet with people and we hear how their existing lives are and how they today are acting around, for instance, health. Uh, and then after that first conversation, we come and actually show them a better version of the, of the product and get feedback. And that's super powerful because then we also learn these, these ridiculous things. For instance, uh, we learned about health that one-fifth, like 20% of the people we talk to, uh, they have some issues with their stomach, like some stomach ache once in a while, and they don't know why. And when they ask the doctor, they will say, ah, keep a food diary. Find out yourself. Right? <laughs> yeah. So we're left in complete blindness when it comes to health sometimes. And yeah. it's, it's, it's quite, uh, quite amazing how something that has such huge impact on our well-being is kind of left under the radar. And we are just, you know, not really acting on it very much. I think it's a huge untapped uh, potential. Uh, to yeah. talk a little bit more about our health and how the food impacts us and then act on it in an easy way. Um, yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, you see also I mean, junk food and how, how that's destroying lives. Um, so a huge potential, definitely. Yeah. Um, I just had one more question that just just got away. 
anyways, it might come back. Yeah, no worries. I am I am full of other questions. Um, <laughs> so, what was one thing that you really did badly while working on your Star Wars? Oh, I know now the the thing I wanted to say actually, yeah. which impresses me, and it's you're launching new features as if you're building a new startup. Yeah. Every time for me, that's how it looks like because I would have my hypotheses, like okay, this this could be a cool solution to that problem, but let's do some ads and do a survey and then talk to the people and see if they really have that problem. And you do that for every feature. Yes, that's something we do we, now. We have not always done that. <laughs> but yes, that's exactly what we learned that was necessary because every time you release a new feature, you're, you're you know adding complexity to yeah. your operation, to your organization, and to your user experience. Yes. If you're not being extremely economical about that, uh, you're gonna be, you know, going down the down the wrong pathway, spending time on building something that actually subtracts value from the user. Yeah. Um, so you, you, I mean, you should always be extremely economical about what you build. And uh, you're right, actually. Think about every feature, uh, every change, almost like a little new startup. You have to test and be uh, data driven about. Yeah, that makes so much sense. I really like like this. Um, so yeah, the next questions are uh, the advice round. So there, it's about you sharing advice to to listeners and future entrepreneurs. So my first question was, what was one thing that you did really badly while working on your startup and that you wouldn't recommend someone else to do? Cool. I was just about to be scared about talking about advice. I don't feel like a professor, but I can definitely talk about our mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, so I think uh, it's like, very related to what we just talked about now. I think we used to be, uh, and I think it's a very common thing to be, uh, way too, I like to call it, be output focused rather than impact focused. And what that means is when you're output focused, you're very focused on, hey, we need to put the feature out, we need to you know, make something happen, feel like we're acting, feel like we're progressing all the time uh, because it feels good, right? It feels mm. good to build new stuff. And it feels really good to feel like, okay, the product is changing, we're doing stuff. Yeah, it feels like progress. It does. But it, but it only feels like it. Exactly, exactly. So what we learned is we were way too much of that. And that meant we put out a lot of features, put a lot of uh, you know uh, junk out there that sort of was, we just said, eh, it's a test, so it's fine. But actually, no, it's not fine to put stuff out just as a test. You need to think about what are you testing, what is your hypothesis, and why are we doing this? And, 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 and being output focused, you uh, get a huge bias for action. And that mm -hmm. way, you are not really getting to test hypotheses for real. Um, and, and, and we did that for, for a long while uh, because it's natural. If you're nervous about whether you'll make it, if you're nervous about whether you will get it right, then the most natural thing is just to get really busy building something. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. and so what I'd much rather be and what I've, we're learning now to become more and more is impact-focused rather than output-focused. So that means, okay, if we put this out, how is the impact going to be for a user? That's why it's so important to create a user story, but also a, a gratitude letter to the CEO about from the user to the CEO about like why is this going to be changing people's lives. Uh, and the other part of impact is obviously metrics. So what do we actually believe if we do this, we can do with our retention rates? So if people go to the screen and click this button, do we believe we can get retention rates from 25% coming back the next day to 35%? 
That, mm. That's impact focused. And then we have to roll all our resources into getting that number to become 35%, whatever it takes, right? That's yeah. impact again. So I think much more focused uh, and much more obsession about the user and how it's going to feel and how it's going to impact that behavior instead of being obsessive about the features and the products because we are a team of a lot of engineers so it's easy to be focused on output and features rather than uh, users and impact. So yeah, that's, that's basically my, my, my biggest mistake. And I think we did it for at least six months in a row just so focused on getting new features out there instead of really taking that step back. Okay. Or is faster. Yeah, that's a that's a good uh, good uh, good advice. <laughs> so not imp uh, not a action focus, but impact focus. Exactly. Exactly. Definitely. You you definitely did some things right. Uh, you wouldn't have gotten uh, funding and that many returning users. Um, if you could share one thing that with with uh, future entrepreneurs that you did ride and they should probably also focus on what would that be yeah i think uh one one thing uh, that i'm the one thing i'm most proud of uh in uh, in plant jammer uh, it's quite internally focused but it's basically the culture we have built uh so we we're we're this team of nine people and i i, I can say with great conviction that, that every every individual in that team uh, feels they identify with Plant Demo, right? They mm -hmm. act, uh, all of us act like it's our company, and all of us act, uh, you know, with with passion about the kind of change we want to make. Uh, so the, the 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 popular startup way of saying it is that you we have missionaries, not we don't have mercenaries, we have missionaries. Mm -hmm. So we don't have people who are just getting tasked and, and getting it over with. We have people who really believe in the cost, believe in the product, believe in what we're doing, and, uh, and are, are super uh, you know, excited about it. And that, that sort of culture I'm super proud of and makes me super happy just to walk around in the office and feel that energy in each and every individual in the team uh, and makes me give like, so much more belief in our future than anything else, uh, any other data point. It's basically just looking into the eyes of, of, of the plant jammers <laughs> and feeling... Yeah feeling that energy and passion, you know, because I, I don't, I've never seen such energy and passion in, in a corporate. Uh, I think in that way, we're truly, uh, truly unique. And it's so gratifying to feel. Yeah. So I'm, I'm in a situation where we'll be growing our team as well. I'm, we're working on a startup. Yeah, well done. Um, thank Well, thank you. We're not, we're not at your point yet, but <laughs> we're, we, we might get there. Um, so why, what would you recommend to me concretely? Let's say I have to, I have to get one additional co-founder yeah. and then, uh, and then maybe two or three more team members, let's say in the next one and a half years, mm. what, you know, concretely, what should I look out for to build such a culture? Yeah, so I, I think, again, it actually comes a little bit back to the first advice of, of being, uh, being impact more than output focused. So mm -hmm. what, what you want to have uh, is, is a team constellation of people who, uh, who are uh, happy with getting a really you know, audacious target goal, mm -hmm. uh, but not be told the path to that goal. Um, yeah. So that kind of self-driven behavior where you don't have people who are 
say, are excited about a very concrete task, they're excited about a very vague task with a high ambitious and specific goal in mind. Mm. Um, so in, in, in Google, they work with something called the OKRs, yeah. uh, Objectives and Key Results, which is a really good tool. We use it as well. And basically in that we, you know, each individual, they have an objective, which is basically an overall goal for the next, let's say, three months. Mm-hmm. Very ambitious. Um, so it can be stuff like saying we need to have at least 200 people going uh, into Prime uh, as a subscription basis of Plant Jammer every day kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that has to happen within three months. That's an objective. And then key results below that is how do you achieve it, right? But we focus, I focus mainly on the objectives and then set those objectives to people and then have the kind of people who are excited about having a very, very ambitious goal but not have a very specific way to get there. So they have to figure out that themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and finding people who are excited at that level, I think is super key. Yeah. So that's probably Got it. at least one parameter is like people who are excited about goals rather than, you know, tasks. Uh, yeah. Um, that's super key. And then, and then I think the other part is at least as important is that these are people that you just love hanging out with, right? Uh, whether for good, for better or worse, right? Because the startup journey is, is is really tough. Like it's 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 hard work. Uh, <laughs> Tell me about it. You're gonna get a lot of no's and you're gonna get a lot of doubts, right? And uh, you're gonna also have likely quite quite some sleepless nights, right? Um, yeah. That's just part of the journey. And and, and you gotta have people you just love being in the struggle with, right? Yeah. Who you wanna have on your side down in the trenches. <laughs> yeah, exactly. As fun as it is, and as exhilarating it exhilarating it is. It is also, uh, it's a really tough journey, right? And uh, and you need to have people uh, on your side in that journey uh, who yeah. actually enjoy that battle, right? Um, I like to say like one of the advice I, I tend to give people is do a startup, startup if you love doing a startup, right? Not because of the money, not because of the fame, but because it's fun to solve problems that are really hard to solve mm. uh, in, a, in, a, in a short time manner, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean all these things. Uh, I can totally agree with you. Uh, it's not easy, and you need to you need to have people with you that you enjoy working with. Completely, even or especially when times are hard. Yeah, yeah. I was my my last question is about, um, you know, if there's any any piece of content that you read or or consume that you would recommend to entrepreneurs, and I ask it to to every to every guest, but I, you said you came from a corporate background. Mm. So for me, that's curious because, you know, you didn't study, you know, innovation or design thinking or, or any of these uh, topics, I guess. Nope. Um, so what, how, did you, how did you manage to kind of learn the ropes of entrepreneurship? Apart from just doing it, which is the best school ever. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think uh, you are right that the best school is uh, is uh, is doing it, uh, but you can sort of also bootstrap some of those learnings. Uh, yes, you can do it by reading books, and I've read a lot, a lot. <laughs> but uh, but I think most importantly, by talking to people who are going down that journey themselves uh, or have done so, right? So yeah. so, so I I think my biggest biggest source uh, sort of, of inspiration and direction in this journey are friends of mine who have uh, tried or are still trying or have successfully you know started companies um, yeah and, and and you know 
I think that's actually the best one is to like figure out in your network, there must be some people who tried this out. And, uh, and, and those are the people who will tell you the real story. <laughs> yeah. Because, uh, because there's a lot of uh, great stories you can read about, but they will always be a little bit too uh, rosy. Uh, the real gritty work of how you actually get things done, you will only hear over a beer uh, in a bar, uh, probably beer number four, uh, <laughs> from someone who's gone down that journey, right? There's a really good book about, about this aspect uh, that's called uh, The Hot Thing About Hot Things. I don't know if you yeah. heard about it. I heard about the title. I never read it. It's super good. Um, I can't even remember who wrote it right now. But it is the whole whole. I think it's Horowitz from uh, Dresden Horowitz. Uh, yeah. But anyway, he uh, he basically tells the story of yeah, sure. There's all these general lessons for startups, which is you know, uh, lean startup methodology and hook mm. and, uh, and and all these books that everyone reads. Uh, but they all make this rosy picture of you know, this is how you do a startup. Just follow this sort of uh, equation, and if you follow the equation, the uh, the end result will be success. Uh, yeah. uh, but 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 the whole lesson and hard, the hard thing about hard things is uh, no, it's not enough. Like you're gonna do these things, and that's gonna help you, and that's gonna give you a greatest probability of success. But at the end of the day, you gotta be on your toes every day and and see the small hints and uh, and and battle through the tough times. Uh, and if you make the right decisions consistently under pressure, you will make good stuff happen. But it's uh, it is it is it is also the hard things, and uh, you know there's gonna be hard situations like you know firing people and you know splitting ways between people that you admire but just couldn't work together. Uh, mm. You know, getting no's from investors you totally believed in, uh, getting no's from customers that you thought you nailed. You know, these kind of things are gonna be there, uh, yeah. and and I think also reading that that side of the coin is super important uh, because uh, yeah. that's. that's Totally part of the equation. It's not all rosy. It's fun and it's great, and I would recommend people if they have a, a sort of an idea that to go for it. Uh, but they should just not have a rosy picture of it all being. If you just follow this equation, it's gonna succeed. So yeah, that's probably the book I'd recommend the most. Uh, the hard thing about hard things. Yeah, definitely. And you just gave me an idea of how I can, you know, evolve that podcast. I could start interviewing people while drinking. A few beers, and <laughs> at beer number four, we'll finally get to the really gritty things. That's a that's a brilliant idea. <laughs> it's not very healthy though for me. I <laughs> know. All right. Well, Michael, thanks so much for taking the time no and uh, and sharing your story. It was really exciting. I learned a bunch of things. Uh, I love the I love how you start every new feature like an like a startup. I love the gratitude letter to the ceo yeah. that's really cool um and i love you know how much focus you put on the culture and i'll definitely uh take that with me uh when growing our team thank you so much super cool thank you so much for having me That was it. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Startup Stories. Make sure to check out the show notes with additional links at nerdentrepreneurs.com. And if you liked our podcast, leave a review on iTunes. See you on Monday.